0: we you What's up dude
1: what is up we back baby
0: we here we here at last
1: we rocking the shirts have to that's right we it's, got we got to for it's the finale. finale
0: time baby that's right
1: we're here we made it episode eight exandria unlimited boop, boop, boop. let's go how you doing man
0: i'm doing good man i um just got back from a trip which is why we're we're recording this a few days late or after the finale as it were, but, uh, yesterday was rough full day of traveling, but now I've had some sleep under my belt. I'm feeling right. good. Ready to talk some EXU.
1: I, I kind of like that. We have it a few days later. I mean, it's, it's summertime, you know, we, yeah. we let, we let things simmer a little bit and kind of let things, I wish I had done the same thing with Loki. Cause I would have had a couple more days to kind of let it marinate a little bit, yeah. but, uh, all that to say, for those of you guys who are listening, welcome to the Pixelous Podcast, where we talk about all things exciting for myself and my amazing co-host. We like to talk games, movies, TV shows, you know, really whatever we enjoy. We like to dive in, talk about, put our own perspective on, and you are here for the journey. So welcome to the show and be sure to let us know what you think about the show. But more importantly, what you thought of Exandria Unlimited, Oh, and by the way, I'm Blake.
0: Oh, I'm Will. Yeah.
1: <laughs> He's got a much better beard than me. And uh I don't yeah. know about that. I, I just, your beard is good. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, all that to say, uh, I'm excited to dive in. I'm very sad that the show is over. Me too. Um, I'm definitely sad that we're now in this lull between uh, EXU ending and Critical Role Campaign 3 which looks to be still a couple months away. So I don't know, man. How are you feeling?
0: Welcome to that pain, by the way. This is like this is <laughs> the first time you've had to like wait, really, hasn't it?
1: Sure. Yeah, it is yeah. actually. Um, let me think. Because I'd caught a little bit of campaign one, just barely any. And then you and I did D&D together as you as the DM. And that led straight. And I was like, dude, D&D is awesome. And that led straight into campaign two. And then I kind of petered off with that one. So I really haven't had any kind of big break to manage myself through.
0: But we've got you now. One of us. <laughs> <got> us
1: covered. <laughs> well, before we jump into our recap, uh, should we do the recap first or we should talk general thoughts? Uh,
0: maybe we should just do the recap and then we could just dive okay. all into it. Even yeah, it's okay. not what cool. we usually do, but we're switching it up for the finale. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And for those of you listening for our recap, we actually splice out the recap and put it at its own videos. So if you're watching right now, hey, welcome to the Pixelist podcast. And uh, this is our recap. And if you click the link at the very bottom underneath the YouTube video in the descriptions, you'll get the whole deep dive discussion on this episode. Having said that, let's jump into the recap. Let's do it. So uh, the episode picks up from the massive cliffhanger from the previous episode where we saw Opal being pinned to the ground by Murata who is slamming these residuum spikes into the ground that are sort of tethered to these residuum needles that are in both of her shoulders and her head. And I think there was a fourth one that comes out into either her torso or her legs. I, I can't remember, but it happens at the start of this episode. But it basically slams her to the ground and shes uh, it's like she's being uh, covered by a ton of rocks. I mean, she can't move, can't really do much at all. And Orem, being the freaking phenomenal guy that he is, uh, does like this flip off the platform, dashes over to Opal and slides in front of her with his shield ready uh, to protect her, and actually takes a swipe at Murata and just barely misses connecting with her. Uh, Marada kind of steps back, is like, whoa, uh, you know, <laughs> who's this guy? What are you doing here? Um, and she actually creates this massive earthquake that. I think of it as almost like a like a um what's it called when like a nuclear bomb goes off like the wave that goes out beforehand oh,
0: uh, like a sonic boom kind
1: of that's kind of what I envision is like yeah. this like boom that emanates from her and it levels the entire battlefield like literally like levels everything. that was nasty. Um pretty amazing. Um she then basically vanishes from sight and Worm realizes that there's two uh, a- accomplices of hers that are ready to fight. One of them is this archer uh, or really a-, a a crossbowman uh and then the other one is this spellcaster sorcerer type person. So uh they're there to basically fight against the party while Morad is off doing something else we don't quite know what uh Dariax, Dorian and Fern all decide hey we got to get over there and help Opal and as they jump down they realize oh we still have this last construct to take care of that Oram had tossed off the platform in the previous episode and they take care of it with pretty pretty easy effort um and as this is happening the swirling energy that they had been a part of is it's turning purple and something's starting to form in the in the energy, in the smoke, in the fog. Um, there's these sigils of purplish, purplish energy that are forming on the platform below where the cube was hovering and rotating. And these sigils are very familiar of the Canarian language that we've seen on the runestone, uh, in the uh Neardalpak, uh, but more importantly. From the fiery mesa that had originally sent them to see gilmore and had started them on this quest now this energy continues throughout the fight to develop in fact it actually apart from that platform develops like into this little tentacle um a tentacle-like structure And these earthquakes actually continue to happen uh, little by little as the fight goes on. Despite all of this, everyone's thinking, okay, we got to get to Opal. We got to protect Opal. Now, Opal, in order to protect herself, actually manages to barely get her arm up into her pocket and slip on her uh, ring of greater invisibility to make herself invisible. Um, And also, she's trying to to talk to Ted, but can't seem to connect with her uh, at all. So the party, av- after taking care of the stone construct, they move over to help Opal. Uh, Fern's going to wild shape again into a direwolf, and she's going to attack the sorcerer. Orum, which by the way, Liam O'Brien is like the freaking coolest when it comes to describing <laughs> what he's doing in D&D. He is. He's the
0: best. He,
1: he basically, he sees that the crossbowman has actually moved up on top of this pillar. He runs and basically can't tell if he like jumped up to the pillar or if he like ran, like speed run, like ran up it, but basically gets up on top of the pillar fights against the crossbowman knocks the crossbow out. The crossbowman takes out a dagger and stabs him in the back. And he basically wrestles the crossbowman and like, you know, knocks this dude straight off the pillar to his death. It was, I mean, literally Badass. everyone watching like every, the entire group who was in the D session. were all like, dude, wow. That was, <laughs> that was amazing. Um, so anyway, um, Dorian and Darix are trying to help Opal. Um, Dorian's actually removing these needles from Opal, but she's, he, Uh, Opal's realizing not only does this really hurt, but it's making me feel like I'm losing my sense of connection to Ted and says, hey, even though this is helping me, I need you to stop doing this. It's kind of weirding me out what's going to happen to Ted. Uh, but he does remove enough, I guess, maybe the the one needle that allows her to actually stand to her feet. Uh, now, all the while this is happening, Loth is actually talking to Dorian, is basically saying, "Hey, she put the crown on. You know, you guys are basically screwed." And is saying, "You guys aren't strong enough. You're gonna die here. You know, put the crown on." Um, and Dorian has this awesome moment of overcoming temptation and being like, "No, get out of here. Like, you suck. I'm not doing that." <laughs> and it's like, "I'm gonna go help my friends without you." And she's like, well, then you're going to die. Opal is also simultaneously getting tempted by Loaf, who's saying, you know, if you want to save your sister, if you want to save your friends, you have to put the crown on. Meanwhile, this same swirling energy uh, that has empowered the party in the previous episode seems to continue to be granting buffs and boons to the party. Um, Dorian gains the ability to make a half-damage spell do full damage. Um, Oram gets in an entirely additional <laughs> battle maneuver for his yeah. class and he has all of his superiority dice returned. Uh, and then Dariax gets probably the coolest boon of all. He gets the benefits of the haste buff. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, another earthquake happens and this purplish energy forms even more. And in the sight of like, and you, you guys got to go back and watch the actual episode. It was like this Eldritch-like horror scene where this energy forms into this monstrous, massive visage, a face that the party can barely recognize and infer to be Ted. <laughs> also, that nearby tentacle forms into this giant hand. And it seems like this hand and head is almost like this giant coming out of the ground and being summoned into existence. Morada actually appears in the open hand of Ted and is sort of taunting the party. She seems to be the one getting this uh, ritual happening. And not only does she taunt the party, she casts Eldritch Blast at the party, specifically Dorian, and knocks him unconscious. Fern also has the direwolf. Remember, she was attacking the caster. She brings the caster to the brink of death. And in the final moments, this caster casts Cone of Cold on the party, which, I mean it's they were extremely lucky. It almost kills Dorian outright. He gets two immediate failed saving, uh, death saving throws and has one more until permanent death. Um, maybe you should take it from there. It's getting pretty intense.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, Darix does manage to come and heal Dorian though, get him back, you know, back to consciousness. And then together with Fern, they all are basically moving to come and finish off Mirada. Um, Dariax since we just you know talked about how he not only has wings but has the haste spell uh, he's able to get there first and he still has his heavier light uh, his power from the previous episodes and so with a heavy attack he um, thrusts at her with his uh, spear and Nat 20s digs it into her and uh, in response she just kind of pulls herself further on it and casts inflict wounds on him which actually knocks him unconscious and causes the bag with the the spider queen's crown in it to clank and fall to the ground um then mirada who's basically on the brink of death at this point uses Dariax as a human shield so she's just holding his unconscious body like in the way to prevent the rest of the party from finishing her off and uh like like mentioned they're all on this hand so like if they were to die they'd both fall off and he would surely die um but Dorian flies up and manages to wrestle kind of with Murata and is able to get in to touch um, Dariax and cast cure wounds in order to bring him back to consciousness. Um, but Murata is going to use her counterspell uh to prevent that. But um I think is like, hey, uh Robbie, how much do you want this? And he's like, it I want it more than anything. And so she describes Loth, the Spider Queen intervening and instead of Murata casting the Counterspell, all these tiny spiders begin pouring out of her mouth and like choke out the words and nope, prevent nope, it. Nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the heel goes off nope. and uh, Dariax is brought back to consciousness. Um, and so then we got all of them surrounding her and she's like on the brink. Um so then we cut to opal and with with everybody so low you know dariax dorian both on the brink of death she's like you know how do i finish this what do i do here and loth begins talking to her and is like put on the crown i'll help you finish this and after wrestling with it for some time she decides to do just that so she takes the crown picking it up out of the satchel that Dariags dropped puts it on and like the the tendrils the thorns like extend down into her flesh and this oozy like black substance that we later find out isn't blood but looks like blood begins like pouring down her face and her appearance shifts uh her hair like her dyed hair like switches back to black and then like actually goes iridescent naturally and uh i think that she says it kind of looks more like ted almost um and she just like becomes Loth's champion um even though she still feels herself has her own agency. She can like feel the influence of it and her eyes turn black. So now like in like a super Saiyan moment, (laughs) she just like instant transmissions, but uses misty step and appears behind Murata takes her dagger and just slits her throat, like in a very gory, brutal fashion. The entire party was like, whoa, but you know, she was just (laughs) sitting there like, yes, like I want to kill her. Um, so she does she slits her throat tosses her dirt body to the ground and basically the initiative's over the combat has has ended at that point um and the party is just kind of like reassessing what's happening here after seeing her you know put on this crown um but since she's still seemingly in control of herself there's no immediate threat seemingly and uh Dorian actually just steps up and asks, uh, hey, Orum, do you still have that residuum we had back from earlier in the campaign? Um, and Orum does have it and gives it over to Dorian, and he just has this idea where he takes a shard of it and places it on uh, Opal, trying to connect, create a connection similar to the ones the needles had been used by Murata to unleash Ted. So he takes one, touches, her, touches uh, her with it, and with a really high roll, he's able to create this connection. He hears this... Um, this like sound that he is then able to emulate to foster the connection and he takes it over to the big amorphous ted and places it in her forehead in order to like try to make that bridge between them again um and he is successful but then he's like okay now to to finish this i'm gonna write a glyph a sigil just like the ones we've been seeing from the ash hole in the ruins of cunera uh and he he decides to try and write the word opal to like fully foster this um, but he's struggling he doesn't really remember exactly how to do it and so the entire party comes together and they make a group they all make individual roles but as a group they're trying to strengthen this ritual and so Abria asks each of them what they bring to what they bring to it so Orm rolls a history check and he tries to recall what he can remember about the glyphs to try to help Dorian be able to you know correct his mistakes And he basically is given the realization that hey this is not just a name these runes are a description so not literally opal but stone that catches fire. Um, Fern rolls a medicine check and notes the connection is missing a crucial element, the compassion of life. Opal is not just a stone, but a person, a loved one, a sister. Dariax comes, and he rolls a dexterity check, and he climbs up there with Dorian, and since he too touched the plinth and the runes of Kineira and he saw all those runes too, he's like, no wait, you messed up here, do this, and so he takes some of the residuum and begins crafting the rune with him. Uh, and then finally we have Opal, she's last, and she makes a persuasion check to try and plea for Ted to stay with her, um, although she rolls poorly. And so what she does is she reaches out to this energy, this like miasma that has been empowering them throughout this whole encounter and is like, you know, please help me. And it it um, it um becomes a religion check. She's just pl- praying, pleading to try and, you know, keep Ted with her. And in so doing, she is granted uh, guidance and understanding of what they're missing. And so she shouts um, kind of what she's interpreting from this to try to finish the rune. And together they do just that, um, and not only the rune is complete and not only says Opal, but it says sister, safety, home, belonging, and boom, the ritual is completed. And this like monstrous Ted construct dissolves into the ground and Opal can feel her, feel Ted returning to her, um. So now that that has happened, the chaos is for the most part subsided. They decide to kind of take a, take a breath, rest, kind of make camp and see what's going on next. Um, so they share this much needed moment of rest and they know that their journey is really just beginning. They decide to stay together and they have so much more still to do, um, with first on the docket being to go track down Umeji. Um, and more importantly, they agree that, uh, Opal and the crown is something that they can, you know, hold off over until tomorrow since she still seemingly has her agency. Um, but then Dariax pops in and was like, Hey, how about we be the crown keepers? And, uh, you know, that'll be our name until we lose it or until something else happens. So from this moment forward, they're the crown keepers and, uh, one by one, they kind of take their rest and the, the campaign ends, the XU ends, um, but we do get one final post credit scene, and that is I'll just read it word for word here. Uh Posca holds court in a dimly lit room. She kicks her feet on the desk. All around here, all around her, the unseen gentle creaking of leather alerts us to other people being in the room, hanging in the shadows. She says, I thought we could be different. More incisive in their purpose than the other mobs, but their generosity has been exploited. And she's not at her best when her feelings are hurt. So violence it is then. And woe to those fools if they ever come back to this city. And that's it. Exu. That is season
1: one. Uh, Exu. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great job, man. Uh, this shed a tear. It's our last <laughs> recap for the oh. time being. Yeah, that's right. Uh, seems like it seems pretty clear. I think Abria even said it herself. That's the end of season one. Yeah. Alexandria Unlimited, which you and I had said um, there were a lot of plot threads. It only makes sense if there's more. There has to be more. Right. And sure enough it seems like there will be a season two of some kind. I don't know.
0: We'll see, I guess. I mean I hope so. But I don't know. Like no official announcement has been made, but the fact that she said season one and that we got a post-credit scene makes, you know, what else mm-hmm. are we supposed to infer if not more yeah. somewhere down the line?
1: So let's talk reactions, immediate reactions. Yeah. What well, I know you had to watch the episode in a couple of, um, uh, non-traditional circumstances. I think you had to watch a little bit on your phone or mm-hmm. some kind of crazy internet. Well, finally being able to see the episode from start <laughs> to finish. What was your reaction on the episode?
0: Yeah. Um, I liked it. I enjoy I thoroughly enjoyed EXU the campaign. Um the the finale got me, different moments got me tearing up. I you know it was exciting. Um I really enjoyed it as a whole. But that being said, <laughs> it seems like we didn't get like any answers to like and if you've if you've been watching our other discussion videos, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm sure we'll dive into it more here, but like I was hoping for some answers. Like I I didn't expect everything to be connected. Didn't expect for all the answers, but we, we almost didn't get any. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of left me wanting more and yeah, we might get season two. And so, you know, that's fine. You know, I'm sure more will be unveiled there, but it just felt like, I don't know. We,
1: we talked about this a little bit. Do you, do you think how the show was framed? From the get go, like feeds that disappointment a little bit because I had similar feelings of like, okay, nothing, not only did nothing get resolved, but you and I joked about how every episode introduced a new plot thread. Yeah. Part of me wonders if we went into this with a different expectation of. It's an eight episode story because they presented it as, you know, we got together, we put it together and we figured out that this is an eight episode story that we want to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think it almost feels like that set people up to be frustrated, or at least it did for me, where if instead it had been framed as, hey, this is an introduction to a grander story. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't even know quite what it's going to look like but what we have for this part of the story is eight episodes to share with you. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, I would have had a much less um, pronounced apprehension around. Okay. Now there's, now there's three episodes left. Okay. Now there's right. two episodes. left. Okay. Now it's the finale. And especially about halfway through the finale, realizing this is what's happening now is all we're going to get. Right. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you think how they framed it has something to do with that?
0: Yeah. I think it could have been better. I mean, yes. I mean, I think, I don't, I don't know exactly how, like what would have been the perfect way, but I do think it was, they could have done a better job, like setting expectations as it were. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm trying not to be too critical. Cause I understand the constraints, you know, especially like, you know, you have to fit in what you can fit in in eight episodes if that's what they have via scheduling conflicts or, you know, via whatever. We don't really know all the all the behind the scenes that maybe led to why we got what we got. But I just don't know. I feel like, I like I said at the beginning, I enjoyed it. I loved DXU. I, I've had a great time over the past two months watching this. Loved especially the new faces and everything they did. But I just feel like we didn't really get a tight, story as it were Mm. and it felt like there were so many things that like were just left completely open so Mm. I I don't know I don't really know how what the fix would be but yeah there definitely was some some disappointment there
1: yeah yeah I had similar feelings Um, I I think EXU as a whole I really I I really appreciate that I got to watch it Um, I really enjoyed watching it Uh, Amy and Robbie were so fun to watch um, I thought they were natural in terms of um playing with people collaboratively and being part of a collaborative story. Yeah. Um, and they were really fun to watch. Um, I, I thought the group as a whole were really enjoyable. They really vibed off each other. And um I thought that uh for the most part, Bria did a great job, which some cases it almost feels impossible to fill the shoes of expectations that people had for right you no know, it's not matt mercer <laughs> for sure um yeah i agree the episode excuse me the campaign as a whole i'm really glad i got to watch it i really enjoyed exu um i was pretty i i enjoyed it more now that i've had a you know, about five days to sit on it Mm -hmm. in hindsight. I've enjoyed it more. Yeah. I ended Thursday night, pretty frustrated and pretty disappointed. Um, not to like the point of like, you know, the show sucks or anything (laughs) that's like super toxic. Yeah. But just like I, I ended it thinking I'm, I'm very disappointed. I'm very frustrated. And it's, it's primarily, um, I'd say about 70% is what you said, It's the ever-growing story that never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you think about it, you know Murata got introduced episode five, I think. No, episode four, episode five. I don't remember honestly. Um, Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And Murata was the you know big bad evil guy, so to speak. And um, I don't know. There's something about the pacing of all of that. Of. All these big, big things getting introduced that seemingly are unrelated to the story as a whole. Right, and, and I get what Abria said. She said she was trying to build a world that was bigger than she found it, and I think she has set up the world to have some pretty, pretty awesome tie-ins later on. Yeah, but for an eight-episode arc, I was really, um, I, w- I was, <laughs> like I said, I'm much better now, thinking of it as like a part of a whole story. Yeah. At the end of the nights thinking that's the end of EXU. I was like, okay, why did I, why did I get so emotionally involved in this? <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think, I think that's a completely fair criticism and it's, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to, I don't know. I,
1: I, I think the thing that's a bit challenging is I've read some comments on like some, some, some insights on, part of the reason why the plot continued to grow was and the distinction i saw someone describe it on reddit which i thought was pretty accurate was that you know this isn't necessarily just a bunch of people playing DD in their basement this is a critical role has grown to be a production of sorts you know there's a there's a large amount of right. people tuning in there's a um I don't say there's a lot writing on it, so so to speak, but it's a it's become a brand. Yeah, and the distinction I saw was that part of the reason maybe there was an obligation to continue to grow the stakes was sort of an entertainment factor, um, implying that it's not so exciting to see a bunch of level one people or level two people, um, you know, raiding a goblin cave. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that was something that I saw that I thought I can I can kind of see that, and it makes it a little less painful. But painful is not the right word, but you get what I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's fair. Like it, it definitely is. Like it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing now. It's more than just hey, let's play D anD D together. Like they're they're a show, you know, and you have to on some level be entertaining. But I, I don't accept that as like an excuse, though. Like I feel like i disagree that like raiding a goblin camp could be super fun you know it's just about like the players and the dm so
1: yeah that's uh, that's a great insight
0: you know i don't know i can't i don't want to criticize i don't want to criticize too harshly at least a because i think she did a great job and like i said we don't really know all the circumstances behind the scenes that maybe led to certain decisions but i just felt like i would have liked at least one through line of like something like uh, like you said murata wasn't even introduced till about halfway through and not to nitpick here because we've we kind of spoken about railroading a bit which if an eight episode arc you kind of kind of have to a little bit you know to make sure that things progress but like murata like i'm repeating myself now but introduced halfway through was kind of a railroady moment moment in and of itself because they were just traveling to wherever. And Abria was like, Fern, you feel something and you go this way. And, you know, that's right. when she was introduced. And then, <clears throat> and even that's fine. But then we like had these a million things in between that were basically irrelevant. Like, right. was the ash hole even tied to her. It didn't seem like it was.
1: Uh, the implication I got since the sigils being drawn to summon Ted were somehow Kinnearin in nature that she was somehow tied to the Oh No Plateau um, in some way. I don't know what that connection is. That's what I inferred from it was that there was some connection. Um, I think it's a very generous connection. <laughs> yeah, so. I think
0: I think I can see what you're saying there. And I, I wouldn't like if that's the case, I'd be like, OK, like, all right. But for my money, I don't think that she was connected. I think that's a, a stretch. So I don't. I don't know. I, again, maybe it's like a world building thing. Maybe it's, you know, a little Easter egg for something that's in C3 or maybe season two of EXU. but I just, I don't know. And yeah, I don't want to jump too far around here, but the story we got was Opal basically, right? Like that was sure. the, the climax, the culmination. And I enjoyed it. But even with that being the focus, as it were, we didn't really even get any answers. Like, right. we don't know what happened to Ted originally, like why she even became this patron, you know, what's up with her mom? Her mom apparently had the same thing going on was the implication I got at the end there. But like, so is it hereditary? Does she have this was Ted in her mom, too? Like, was it the same entity? Like, I just feel like we didn't even get any of those answers. And that's what the show ended up being about.
1: We got season six of Lost is what we basically got. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like every season adds a new problem or raises the stakes and you know, it's, it's, it's tough to end things adequately. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're totally right. Um, we didn't really get any answers. It, it, it's tough to get so emotionally involved in the sense of like, you're watching the show. You've loved the show. You're a critical role fan. You know, we're on here on the Pixelist podcast talking about like, ooh, what if it's this? What if it's that? Mm -hmm. And to not get any kind of resolution or breadcrumbs, um, it can feel pretty flat for sure.
0: And here's what I'll say, though. If we get a season two, which signs are pointing towards. That's at least on the table. Then I think I'm going to enjoy all of it a lot more because this is just, you know, we're going to get these answers still. This is just chapter one and chapter two is coming. I'll feel much better about it. But mm-hmm. since that hasn't been an official announcement that hasn't been confirmed, like who knows if that's going to happen and if, and and if it never does, then that's, I'm going to be disappointed.
1: So the, the, the other thing I said, 70% of the disappointment for me was the unanswered plot threads. The other 30%, um, and I don't know how to approach this without opening like a can of worms. Um, it was two things really. The dynamic between Abria and Amy was, I don't know if if awkward's the right word. It felt like Abria had put some constraints on Amy that Amy didn't really quite fully understand. Cause because out of turn, she's saying, Hey, can I do this? And it's like, it's not even your turn. She's asking, Hey, I want to do this. And Abria's like, Okay, you can't, you can't do that. You can either do this, you can only do that. And so I don't know if it was like a combination of lack of clarity. Or if something was happening there that was weird, and it was throwing off the the vibe. It was feeling tense. It was feeling um, it just it broke the flow. And I was kind of like, okay, can we put like a pause here and like clearly define like what's going on with Opal so that mm-hmm. she can know what's happening here. Um, but even beyond that, later on in the episode, and this is this is actually total preference by the way. This is not like a criticism of D and um, I do have a tendency to prefer a a a DM who is um, creating an open space for you to write in, and so when we got to the point of basically someone's putting this crown on, like it's going <laughs> to happen, <laughs> that's where I kind of was like, because like Dorian being like, no, f you, like I'm gonna do that, and you were like, whoa, okay, so he's not doing it, and so then it felt like Abria went all in on Opal. I mean speaking very candidly, Murata was near death. They had her surrounded and the party was fine. Seemingly. Um, and then Opal even had, or Amy really had this five to 10 minute. I just don't know what to do. Abria's pretty heavily putting it on her. Hey, you need to put the crown on and everyone else is kind of just like waiting. Uh, Matt had an awesome response where, you know, she was kind of looking at the party thinking like, Hey, what do y'all think? And he said, um, said basically hey every choice leads to interesting stories. Yeah. Basically saying hey you can make any decision and it's going to be fine. But yeah. I could sense like the, the the tension of like oh my gosh yeah what do I need to do? Right. And that that was probably the most extreme form of railroading that I saw that and again that is total preference on me. I mean I know there's DMs who get heavily involved hey no you guys want to go left we're actually going to go right, you know. I get that that's a DM preference thing. Uh, That was the other thing that underwhelmed me of when she put it on, it wasn't fully satisfying to me because it didn't feel like the um, what's the word I'm looking for. It didn't feel like the stakes warranted her putting it on it. And so it wasn't fully satisfying. It wasn't satisfying. Oh, this has to, Oh no, she's putting it on, but she has to, Mm -hmm. it was more of a Bria taking her words from her. You know, we've had this crown for eight episodes. It's getting put on. Um, that was the other thing. Those two interactions really, um, I don't want to say it didn't spoil it for me, but it definitely made me walk away feeling like, okay, that that definitely took away from the enjoyment of the episode for me.
0: That's fair. I think that's fair, completely fair. And actually, you didn't, I don't know if you were touching on this at all, uh, this aspect of it, but I did see some people were like uncomfortable with their dynamic even that they thought that like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I want to be careful here. I but.
1: didn't, I didn't really feel like uncomfortable by it. I, I more just felt like the flow of the game. It's kind of, it kind of goes back to the previous episode with the chase, the chase scene or two episodes, you know, previous episode where there was a lot of just misunderstanding of like, can I reuse the reaction? Can I yeah. use my, like it broke the flow of, of Opal trying to do one. You can't do that. And, and Amy as a character being like, Hey, I want to do this. It's like, it's not even your turn. Yeah. Um, that also that, that whole thing, that dynamic was really, um, just distracting. It's the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And I, I agree. Um, I know that, so I know you weren't saying this, but like I said, I think some people were almost like, it feels like she's bullying Amy and I didn't really get that vibe, but I get what you're talking about in terms of it. Like, you know, somebody should put the crown on. But uh Abrea spoke on it briefly and it's like, no, no, sure. like you know, sorry it came off that way, but like Amy and I love each other, it wasn't like that. That's just you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think Yeah.
1: And I, I think maybe if people like over, you know, analyze like the dynamic of them, that might be a little much. Which they do, um, people do. It sure. I mean, people have nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, it, it did seem like Abrea was frustrated by Amy. Um, yeah. that's as a random armchair, like watching the show and that was the only part that was kind of like this is this is weird like what's i used the word awkward i was like what's what's really happening here you know let's kind of let's figure this all out because it's getting kind of (laughs) strange um separate from that like i said the railroading of the crown uh was not my you would never do that as my dm
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i I get it like especially because like we just talked about this there's so many things in exu that like we didn't really get answers for and like here it might end and no one even puts on the ground like that would just be a whole another thing that is fair enough like if that's how the story plays out that's how it plays out but it's just another thing that like has no payoff as it were so i i agree with everything you said and i but i can also kind of see where bria was coming from but like you said like i wouldn't have done that like i wouldn't be like you know you should put, you know, put it on put it on you know what i'm saying <laughs> like let the players make their own choices but like I get it, but I do agree with the fact that, like, at that point, it was, she didn't even need to put it on, you know, like, if she just do a normal Eldritch Blast, and if you miss, like, you miss, maybe somebody goes unconscious again, but your chances are, no one's gonna die, and y'all are gonna be able to finish it, so, uh, I don't know, it, it was, everything you said is a completely fair criticism, and I, I agree, but I just, I don't know at this point, like, what... What what else could have happened or should have happened differently there that would have made much of a change? You know,
1: sure, yeah, and we've said in previous episodes, like we've said, we're heading to the point where the crown is getting put on. Yeah, this this has to happen. You know, we 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 said that on the show. This has to happen.
0: And I wanted somebody to put it on. You know,
1: someone someone has to, right? (laughs) And so I, in some ways, I empathize with the fact of. It's it's hard in the moment to really without sort of pre writing it out, you know, without sort of creating the narrative in the in, from the first place. I'm not sure if I would have the capacity to create the stakes needed to force um, them to do it, to force it to happen. So I yeah. in some ways, I understand the railroading. Uh, the, yeah, it just wasn't satisfying for me, um, though. There were some pretty serious moments like I. Uh, Cone of Cold, I had no concept of other than playing WoW, but I know Matt Mercer said that... He goes, that's a party killer right there. (laughs) And so I looked it up and I was like... I think think it was like a 6d8 or an 8d8 was the roll. something like that. And she rolled a 14, which, I mean, could have just killed half the party outright. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And apparently Inflict Wounds is also a really um, serious spell as well. Yeah. Um, So it seems like Bria had was trying to create those stakes, but you know, the dice don't lie. <laughs>
0: <sighs> I, I don't, I don't want to I have so many things I kind of want to touch on. I don't want to like jump too crazily though, but sure. So if, if, if I'm going, if you want to touch on something else, we can, but I was just going to say on the crown thing on somebody putting it on what, one of the things that kind of wasn't answered and left me wanting was this whole Dorian thing. There was so much leading up to like, oh, Dorian makes a decision that oh, and he has to make the right decision this time, and that's kind of one of the things that got us on the is there a time loop happening? Which there's not, so I guess we're crazy. Like I guess we were mephistoing hard with the possibilities here, but <laughs> we like, never
1: learn our lesson.
0: <laughs> but what was it? Simply just, I don't, I don't know. Like what was that? Because Thraskel, uh, Thraskol, Thraskol mentioned Thrascore. like. Yeah, Thresker yeah. mentioned this decision that Dorian was going to make. Rai mentioned it as if... But, like, if it was seemingly only referring to the final temptation of the Spider Queen and which way he was going to roll, why the emphasis on him? Because Fern was also tempted, and so was Opal, and she's the one that actually succumbs. So you'd think these warnings would be about her, not him. And so, I don't know, just since we didn't get any type of time travel reveal, Rai doesn't even show up again. I just, I don't understand the emphasis on that. And the, those kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Breadcrumbs or plot threads being unanswered are what are the most unsatisfying to me. Like, it felt like there was so many, so much lead up to that for it to just have been nothing.
1: Yeah. I mean, and these weren't just breadcrumbs of plot threads. I mean, these were pretty, when you think about the show as a whole across eight episodes, some of the most not just moving, but just powerful scenes, the scenes that, I mean, you're like holding your breath, frankly, all revolve. Uh, I say all, um, for the most part revolve around Dorian and the crown. So, I mean, I'm thinking about, um, Dorian offering offering to hold the crown from Dariax and Orym saying, Hey, give it back or we're going to have a problem. Yeah. And you could feel like the needle drop. Yeah. Um, Führer Rai is having, you know, we have Dorian at going into this dream sequence with Lolf, and he's yeah. seeing Führer Rai and Führer Rai is having this, this, um, she knows the decision she's begging with her gift that, um, he be given a second chance because he's changed. Uh, we see her confer with Thresker and say, I'm, I'm, I'm worried he's losing himself. And the sage basically says, you're right. He is. And we have even all the, all the other stuff of him like pulling the silk out of his eye, which was such a disgustingly but awesomely described scene by Abria. yeah. So you have all these massive moments or these meaningful moments that even if they're short, they're poignant. Mm-hmm. I mean, fearion and Thrasco were talking was a very... I mean, it was like a, ooh, what does that mean kind of moment. So I, I, I totally agree with you for it to you know, Hey, put on the crown. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> you know? And it's like, and it never gets brought up It's it. It's over. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm going with this comment other than just like, you know, retweet. I get it.
0: Yeah. And like, I, I think it's, I'm not saying like I wanted him to succumb and he needed to be the one to put it on, but it just felt like there was no ceremony or real circumstance with the moment. Like I thought, I, I, I don't, I don't know what, what I'm thinking should have or could have happened, but it just felt it felt unsatisfying for all the reasons you just said of all these moments that were kind of building up to something and like kind of, it's kind of connected, but another unanswered thing was what's with the, the week zero, the pre campaign memory loss that they all have that Dorian had restored, that they were in the Feywild with fear. and she was getting like absorbed by something and let them escape like that we just never even found out what that was. And like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have no comment. (laughs) Just, yeah. (laughs) You know, I wish, and it's tough because like part of the way we do these, these episodes, these deep dive episodes is we, we take a data point like the week zero, the amnesia week. And we say, okay, what's going on there? What, what do you think and we didn't, we didn't get any new <laughs> info for those things. So it's yeah. hard to be, it's hard now to circle back to that and be like, okay, this happened in episode eight. What do you think that means for week zero Right. or the, the figure in the crater? Like, yeah, it, it's, we can't like, now it's like hard. It's like, what do we talk about now? Because we didn't get any new info. I mean, we already talked about one through seven. So, I mean, I guess we can <laughs> talk about Pasca. I mean, we got some breadcrumbs with her so yeah I, what, what's what's your next on your hit list what's your next thing you want to you want to <laughs> mention
0: uh let me think um i feel bad
1: I, just just for our listeners we like exu as a whole we're just yeah i know.
0: <laughs> i was literally thinking that right now it's like i don't want to sound like a waffler always trying to like yeah. you know be on both sides of the coin but i really did love it like i really enjoyed these past eight weeks of getting to see this this story unfold and so I mean, it's, it's not a black and white world. I, you know, we can enjoy it, sure. but still have all these criticisms. So. Totally. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess it is. it was a scheduling thing with, uh, uh, and Jolly. I think that's, gosh, I hope that's her name. I'm blanking now. Yeah. Uh, and
1: Jolly. Uh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That, you know, she wasn't in the first ones and then ended up leaving. My, my best guess is scheduling. And so, you know, she was only able to make it for, three episodes so that's what she was there for but the the breadcrumbs of what we just talked about the amnesia week her letting them escape and everyone forgetting except dorian who then remembers and then they are both very weird about it like yeah. hey i know you know and you know and i know you know but neither of us are going to talk about it and i'm going to give I'll you a cryptic. party <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: like and her her goodbye is she said puts herself forehead to forehead with him and basically says do the right thing yeah i'll do anything for my friends and you're like what is that and didn't matter
0: i know we already touched on this so i don't want to chirp on it keep chirping on it but like the fact that she felt that way and said those things implies some sort of like foresight or knowledge or even time travel which i we should just i should just step away from that because that's clearly not what was happening <laughs> let, but, let it go <laughs> but uh not only that, the, the very cryptic thing the Spider Queen said about her, like, oh, I'm not even trying to get Fira Rai to be my champion because she's wrapped up in something far meaner than me. What? Like, uh, and again, if we get a season two, if this does continue, then these are really interesting breadcrumbs that might lead somewhere. But with no confirmation of that being the case, it's just, you know, what what are these things? And we do have a campaign. EXU wrap up coming so i'm very interested to see what we find out there like maybe we get all these answers because people ask those questions and there isn't gonna be a season two or maybe they're like okay can't answer that because we got gonna be diving into that so
1: yeah uh, so i've never watched a wrap up before talk to me a little bit about like the nature of so we're we're a little over a week away from the wrap up um i hope you and i will, will do another Exu kind of postseason, yeah, um, episode, especially after the wrap up, to kind of talk about that. But yeah. um, wh- what's what's a typical? Having never seen one before, what's a wrap up like? What kind of content can we expect to get answered? Are any of these? I mean, are any of these questions going to get answered? Or like, talk to me more about what this is. So
0: there's been for campaign one and campaign two, which have both been over a hundred episodes. So a little bit different of a of a format um once they're done they get together and do what's called a campaign wrap up where they will um collect questions from the community like via twitter reddit you know wherever but also there will just i think they the cast will ask each other questions too um and they're answered like a lot of it's directed toward Matt as as the dm in these cases so it, it, Bria in this case about like hey the party you know I guess I could just try to think of a specific example. Like, hey, what was up with that missing week? What was up with the amnesia? You know, and um, she'll hopefully answer. Like in, in the case of Matt with campaign one and two, he's pretty forthcoming with all the information because really, with how okay. Critical Role works, you know, campaign one, there's like a 30, 40 year leap until campaign two. So most anything that they people wanted to know, he could safely say because like it was no longer going to be relevant, you know, for the next saga of critical role but there are a few things where he's like well I'm not going to answer that because we still might interact with that in campaign two or in campaign three or whatever so
1: so could we could we actually get an answer on one of these massive plot threads like would they so. actually use the wrap-up to do that
0: I think so unless the plan is and is like for certain that hey we're getting more you like with this party like, I think we are for sure getting more EXU, but it might be a whole new story, you know? Um, but if we're not getting a, a Season 2 with the Crown Keepers, then I think almost everything probably could be answered, except for, like, stuff that, you know, might tie into C3. Like, who's behind the ash hole? Like, that might be something that actually is addressed, even if it's not in EXU. But, like, like what? why did Dorian run away and change his name? Like, if we're never getting more EXU, I think we'll get that answered. So, I I think I agree. I think we should we should talk again after the wrap-up because we'll probably have a lot more clarity on what to like expect going forward. Um so it'll be interesting to see. I, I expect to find out if there really will be a season two or not after that, based on what's answered.
1: Well, I mean, the secret to ensuring season two is to say, you know, that's the end of season one. Yeah, <laughs> and to like... have a
0: post-credit scene. Like so Yeah.
1: Yeah. So let's let's I guess for the sake of the wrap up that's coming, what are all the plot threads that we would hope to be addressed? The most the obvious ones, the post-credit scene. Pasca. Let's maybe let's pause there for a second. Let's come back to this question. Okay. Pasca. What what is she what is she meaning in her like the way I interpret it was her kind of She's in sort of this thieves guild esque meeting and everyone's kind of slinking in the shadows, which isn't very functional for a team meeting, but you know, they're, (laughs) they're thievish people. So, you know, stick to the shadows, (laughs) but so they're slinking in the shadows and it seems like there's been this discussion that basically is, um, we tried to be diplomatic with the crown keepers. We tried to be generous in letting them maybe even work on our behalf, but it's obvious that violence is the only the only answer that they understand um is that the same implication that you got from what she said
0: yeah and if you re- if you recall from the earlier episodes the the nameless ones the which i guess she's the leader of she's at least uh, at a position of power within the organization something
1: like that yeah
0: um they are relatively new to the scene um Whereas previously there were two kind of like criminal organizations, there's probably more than that, but two that have been like referenced in the in the canon of Critical Role, as it were, the Myriad and the Clasp. They're two like kind of thievish underground organizations. So I think when she was saying like, "Hey, we tried to do it differently," meaning like now that we're the new like organization in control of the underworld, like we wanted to be better, as it were. Uh, yeah, okay. But hey, that didn't work. So these fools show up again violence is going to be you know what we take to them so I, I just to me that was just hey you know we are what we are let's yeah let's let's be let's let's be that stick to
1: what stick to who we are sure yeah so we have uh posk and the nameless ones um week zero amnesia and we can just loop in maybe with that uh the Feywild, decision escape a wild, fear what fear a um the figure in the crater maybe even speaking of um the plateau um yeah. fern this is more side content fern and her mission uh, right. She she's brought there for some reason dorian and his backstory um what's going on why did he change his name why is he maybe even run um ted and opal their dynamic yeah um, what is ted and- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, it's her Patreon. We don't know yeah. how, but um, their dynamic and how Ted became our Patreon, patron, excuse me, <laughs> uh, and we could maybe even loop in with that. Um, who the heck was Ted's and Opal's mom and that whole thing? Yeah. Umeji and the Iron Authority and uh, oh, what's yeah. coming. Yeah, what's coming. What's coming, so to speak. Um, the Crown and Lolf and that whole thing. The Bigger Bad with Fururai uh am i missing anything or is that everything i think that's most of it um so we might we might actually see oh Marada? W- why you know oh yeah like <laughs> what, what's up with this why is Murata like psycho killer now you know
0: yeah i want to talk t- about that we, we can pause it while we okay. finish this list but remind me
1: okay um so Marada that's 11 um
0: the this kind of ties into fern but the whole like the the girl with a million titles that was in the doorway. Uh you know, the the unforgiving matriarch of the oh the the,
1: the war queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The war queen, right. And why uh, the there war was a,
0: a dark time travelly
1: fern. Right, right, yeah. Um, so that's 12. <laughs> um the cube. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the cube is there and it's got special powers. <laughs> and you know, that happened. Uh so that's you know unlucky 13 i guess i can't think of anything else um maybe in the wrap-up we'll see you know i think i'd be maybe satisfied if half of those get you know get addressed in some way but it's a lot of plot threads to address um we'll see again i've never seen a what's uh, a recap um like this but um um or what's it called again
0: uh campaign wrap-up
1: wrap-up excuse me yeah But uh, maybe we'll see something like that happen. I
0: hope so. At least, like in a perfect world, I would like a season two. So I hope we get some sort of quasi-confirmation of that, but then also some of the answers that, you know, maybe wouldn't spoil that if that is what we're getting. Um, Oh, yeah, you said a couple things in there that I want to touch on before I forget. So Murata. Seemingly... Seemingly their encounter was a chance encounter in those woods, right? It didn't seem like Murata was tracking them. It seemed like they just happened to come across and Murata detected thoughts on Opal, and that's what started the like her obsession with Ted and getting Ted. So seemingly that was just like a chance thing. So does Murata just want warlock powers? Like she is aware of what patrons are and then you can get power from them. Like what what is so special about Ted that Murata was like yes like i need this patron and you know i just that she was like willing to like lose everything and like sh- you know she made it seem like the world was at stake why like what makes and i'm not trying to be like too metagaming because like i know the rules of D. like warlocks have patrons and you get you know powers it's not like it's like you know seemingly she would be a level one warlock it's not you know what i mean like so i don't I don't know. I just wish we had any answers as to like why she became so obsessed with that and was willing to like lay down her life and many other lives just to like have a patron when seemingly if she really wanted warlock powers, she could like, you know, subscribe <laughs> to any of the other patrons that may exist. find your own
1: deity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this in the episode where they have that dialogue and how the, um, I guess the final comment was something like this. There's the seed of potential and the seed begins to grow. And Mm -hmm. we talked about who, who's this referring to and what is this? Is it Opal? Is it Dorian? Like who, who are we talking about here? Yeah. And I think a comment you just said makes sense in that um, maybe the seed of potential is Murata recognizing the untapped potential of Ted, Um, how she's able to necessarily see this individual in the limb space and realize all the implications from that of you know being cut and dry i could summon this into the world and it would do my bidding like mm. that's all it's a bit far-fetched for me but it's also i'm assuming that's eventually where marada got to mentally was there's some incredible potential here a seed of potential and if i can tap into it What's her motivation with it? I don't know. She does make those comments on um, everything will be lost if she doesn't get to Ted. Um, She says she would burn the world kind of serious to get to Ted. Um, It's not really clear if this is like a, the ends justify the means I'm actually a good guy doing bad things or if I'm just full on crazy evil. um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Hopefully in the wrap up, we get some insight there.
0: Yeah, like, I don't have any problems with, like, the fact that that's how, that's what the BBEG was, you know, this person that was a patron, but I would just love some clarity on, like, the why, you know, and I, th- I think I that's my issue with a lot of these things is we don't know the why on any of it. Like, we still don't, like, I still don't know with any certainty that Ted was actually ever a real person. Like, it does seem that she has people know her in By Roden, but, like, how'd she become a patron <laughs> then, you know? I, we especially if her mom had the same thing, it implies that maybe it was kind of always like that, but I don't know. That's my favorite three words in this, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: in this discussion. Who
1: knows? Who knows? But well, uh... now go ahead. I was just to say anything else you want to touch on or talk about? or <laughs>
0: um, I did just want to talk on the cube a little bit. And this is, this isn't me trying to say that I could have done any better. Again, I I probably don't need to keep saying this, but I don't know what the circumstances were. Like, I do think Abrea did a great job. Um, and I won't go over the list of critiques again. You guys already know. But the fact that the cube, it was all basically leading to this encounter with the cube and then Murata, right? Like, seemingly that was the plan from day one, especially with all of the work that went into constructing that like set, as it were. So I just I don't really understand why we didn't get more threads that directly led to that. We didn't even know about the cube until the second to last episode. But if that was always the plan, like I just don't understand why you wouldn't like incorporate that more. Even even in the episode when they're getting sent to the cube, it's not even mentioned. They just hey, you're going to this city, and I think you mentioned this. It's like, why didn't Thrasker give them any type of warning about this thing? And then they just show up and, oh, hey, this actually is like a well of immense power, which is maybe tied to the Luxin, which is a whole another can of worms, but makes sense. And yeah, I'm sorry. Good. No, no, no I, I'm just rambling.
1: Uh, Abria mentioned it was interesting, actually, in the opening Recap of episode eight where Bria is mentioning what happened previously. Yeah. She she said a detail that I thought was interesting. She said the party makes their way to um near uh Nirdal Sarkat or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she says, um, the spiritual center of the Quiniran civilization, which was a detail that I don't think was mentioned in a previous episode. So there's some serious religious implications of this place which helps me think about the cube a little bit more i think i like the way you framed it with of being a chance encounter the way they were given directions to um find Umeji, it was yeah. also sort of implied again almost like a chance encounter of like yeah you're gonna go this way and by the way you're gonna pass you know um you know, my uncle's old house over and you know, it's kind of, it's going to go that way. You're going to, you know, you're going to pass by it. It's going to be great. Yeah. And they walked by it and it's like this massive floating, like, Oh wow, that seems really serious. And I mean, what if the party had just been like, okay, well let's stay focused on what we're doing. Right. You know, there was a bit of a chance coincidence that was a bit far fetched, I guess. And um, coincidentally Morada's there also, which they went, they went the way they went to avoid Morada. Murata's there and this cube that they they coincidentally find it, they coincidentally break it, it coincidentally releases the source of energy that Murata needs to summon Ted into the world, which where yeah, else would seemingly. she have done it? I, I don't know. Um maybe she was gonna take her there all along. I don't know. Um I don't know my point with this, other than just like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel feel like I'm ya. just complaining.
0: I feel yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we're not trying to be negative, but uh, I don't know, I got it. I probably would have done way worse. So <laughs> it's just
1: I've never DM'd before in my life, so I definitely would have done worse. <laughs> uh um, I would have been like you find a goblin cave and in I'm like really? Like <laughs> why? We got the crown.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that, that's just more like awesome world building though. Like it's again, back to more positive comments like I thought it was an awesome episode and very entertaining, and the whole series was. Um, But the the cube is seemingly a a massive well of power that could be tied to the Luxon, which is deep lore stuff, like creator of the world type of thing. Um, That I just it makes sense if we're in this ancient civilization and that was their spiritual home. That like this hub is a, like, well of power of, like, an ancient god, as it were, or whatever, um, I don't know, I guess to, to try to loop back around and tie this up, I just wish that there were more, with, with as many threads as we got, I wish there were more that wove into this Since we knew this was always where it was going to end up, you know, it just felt, it felt too, well, this is it, instead of, like, this is what, i I'm, more jambling here you probably get it but i get it
1: yeah <laughs> i get it we're on the same page so yeah. i'd ask you like for like a rating out of 10 but i almost feel like we need to way up to be like you know here's how i felt about it overall yeah we don't, we don't even really have a rating system maybe we should yeah. you know but
0: with that being said, I I want to I don't want to sound so negative. I really did enjoy it. Like I I would probably give it a 7 or 8 out of 10 as it stands. Like yeah, I have these critiques and I wish there were more answers, but you know, like you said, once we have the wrap up, maybe we'll have more clarity on what to expect, but enjoyment factor and fun factor, I had a really good time. Like I I really loved getting to see this group play together. I loved the the new style. The Abria brought and like you already mentioned, Robbie and Amy killed it. Like they were they were naturals, and I love seeing them. I hope I hope to see more of them in in EXU or or some some other form of critical role.
1: Absolutely, for sure. Definitely agree. Yeah.
0: And oh. uh, I, uh, one more thing, I feel like we should touch on, especially regarding to that. Did you see how um, Amy put out like a whole thread about like the finale and stuff?
1: I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. I- I, I- Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say that, like, yeah, you and I just went over a whole bunch of critiques and stuff we've had, but I think it's just ridiculous that people are, like, sending her hate about, you know, decisions or character elements, which I think this is something we talked about early on, is that, you know, some people kind of found Opal annoying and falsely attributed that to, like, hate towards Amy. And it's like, no, she's playing a character, you know? Like, see... (laughs) Have the, the, the perception to see and understand that. So I just... Even though we yeah, just I talked mean, about h- how much we love them, I just wanted to say that, yeah, she did do a great job, and I think it's ridiculous that people are, like, lobbing hate her way.
1: Yeah, I think she said specifically misogynistic, um, racist uh, uh, threats. I mean, it's the internet, so it's the worst of the worst, yeah. uh, which is too bad because from what little I've seen of the Critical Role community, I've seen it, it's it seems like it's pretty defined as a pretty positive, accepting... Um, wholesome community. So it's disappointing that people have had that kind of visceral reaction. Um, and to echo what you said, I, I loved the new characters, I loved the new actors. Um, and I hope that honestly, people would be a little less, um, douchebags so that we can, these people feel motivated to continue to be involved in the critical role brand and story, and new people feel, um, you know, Robbie and Amy did amazing. Um, if the reactions are really that toxic, uh, I would hate for another new person to be wary of, you know, exactly. <laughs> I to be on that show with those yeah. crazy fans. So uh, maybe this is more of just like a reminder to everyone. Um, we're playing a game. We're having a good time. We're enjoying the show. Let's keep enjoying it. Totally fine to have criticisms and critiques. I mean, that's basically a lot of what this episode was, but um, just don't be a weirdo about it. Yeah. Don't be awful.
0: (laughs) And as uh, Brian Foster always says, don't forget to love each other. And uh, if you don't know who that is, that's Ashley's fiance. And he, he runs like the, the talk show they do every week about critical role. It actually had, they haven't been doing it because of pandemic and stuff. And actually they just announced that he's no longer like, he's going to move on to other stuff. He won't be really involved with critical role anymore. So that made me sad, but keep his legacy going. Don't forget to love each other. Like I, you, you're right with the, the fandom really is accepting and, and, you know, very open in that way. But with any community that gets big enough, you're going to have the toxic losers. And so I, I just hope that, like you said, some other people aren't, you know, back away from it because of the hate that, you know, Amy gets. Or I yeah. hope she herself isn't like, I hope she, it didn't leave a bad taste in her mouth. But we'll yeah. see. I, I think she did a great job. I think she took a lot of yeah. awesome well, risks.
1: She's an actress, so I mean, she's probably, you know, pretty tough and used to dealing with criticism. Yeah. I only hope that our show gets large enough to have the haters that, <laughs> you uh, know, we That have, is the dream. <laughs> <laughs> that we have to deal with. So, um, speaking of haters, if you hate the show, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, those of you though, who are watching the show, thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's been great actually seeing some, uh, Twitter comments, Twitter, uh, mentions to us and, um, you know, I don't manage the Twitter myself. Our good friend Will does that, but Will sends me screenshots of different mentions. And those of you guys who are watching, who are following, I got to tell you, thank you. We love reading it. We love seeing the comments. We love replying to the comments. Uh, keep leaving them. Tell us what you think about the show. Tell us anything about EXU. And especially as we continue to bring on new content, we'd love for you to be part of the journey. Uh, so don't be a stranger.
0: Yeah, and like just on that note, like I said, like like or like Blake just said, we love it. And special shout out—you're getting a name shout out. Shout out to my man Roll for Nerd. Shout out to Wendelin, and shout out to my man Ben, who I talked with on Twitter. Like, thank you guys so much for checking us out and interacting. Uh, we love it. And uh, last but not least, shout out to my homie Blake. Thank you for doing this with me, man. I'm glad. Uh, glad I could suck you into some more critical role and hopefully you know hopefully we got you for the long run with the as a critter but uh, i'm gonna absorb
1: your shout out and reflect it back to you thanks for doing this with me as our uh critical role vet a critical expert and uh derek we don't shout you out we hate you so no i'm just kidding there's no derek
0: there somebody somebody that is named derek watching this is just like (laughs) so hurt now they wrote a comment and like deleted
1: me. it <laughs> like i didn't know we saw it <laughs> but anyway so oh. uh like i said don't be a stranger follow us on twitter we're at px lists that's at px lists and uh stay tuned for our post wrap up exu season one discussion uh here coming in a couple of weeks
0: yeah that'll be good that'll be good and uh really i guess we just got our thumbnail, thumbnail left yeah. to do and, uh, I will say that if you like, um, uh, if you like Marvel stuff, we also usually do some content on that. We did Loki. We might do what if I want to, I'm not sure if Blink will.
1: We'll see. I'm going to watch the first app tonight or tomorrow. And if it, if it, if it pulls me in, we'll be back to talk about it.
0: Yeah. So if you like that stuff, be on the lookout because we'll definitely be putting some more, uh, Marvel content out. But yeah, I guess just finale thumbnail. What should it be?
1: I think it's gotta be the crown.
0: Okay, like we just got to be just to each do our own crown thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like.
0: (laughs) All right, (laughs) I think we got it.
1: All right. Thank you guys for listening. Catch you later.
0: All right. Goodbye.